Uh, we're now going to hear from Al from the Bible, so let's welcome him. Hi. Uh, good to see you this morning. Um, I'm also one of the leaders of the church along with Rich. And um, just, yeah, special welcome to you if you're here, especially um, uh, because you're friends of uh, Frontenson's and Joe or Pete and Sarah. And we're going to be praying for, thanking God for Samantha and Jacob um, j- just after I speak in a little while. So we're looking forward to that. But um, I want to look uh, at a true story from the Bible this morning. Um, that gives us a little insight into what sort of child Jesus was. And um, if you're not very familiar with the Bible, it might surprise you to know that actually there's not a lot in the Bible. In fact, there's only one bit in the Bible between him being about two and him being about 30. And we're going to look at it this morning. It's when Jesus was 12 years old. And it might surprise you some of the things that we learn about Jesus from it. We might imagine that to be the parents of Jesus was a calm, trouble-free experience. But we're going to see that uh, on one occasion, he got his parents very stressed out. And, uh, and they didn't understand him. They didn't understand what he was on about. So uh, we're going to read this uh, from the Bible. It'll come up on the screen for you. It's from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Well, the first thing we see about Jesus here is that he had good parents. He had good parents. It says that uh, every year his parents went to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival of the Passover. It's when Jews remembered and, and still do today, particularly how God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And this annual trip to Jerusalem might not sound very much to us, but it wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't a case of, uh, you know, sort of day trip, stick Jesus in the back of the car, nip down to Jerusalem, a couple of hours in Jerusalem, and then pop back in time for tea. It was was an 80-mile trip each way, roughly, traveling on foot, three or four days each way. And uh, according to what it says here, it seems as though they probably stayed for the whole thing, which was 
a week long. Think about all the cost that's associated with going and staying somewhere, losing your earnings while you go up there. And Jewish men were required to make this trip and to go to some other festivals as well. But, but for Joseph and Mary to go, the women didn't have to go. For Joseph and Mary to go and Jesus, this shows something about the kind of people that they were. They were wanting to do the right thing. They were wanting to honour God. And uh, Jesus is with them. Perhaps, uh, perhaps he went every time. Maybe this is just a special. But this is a sign of their faith in God, their commitment to God, trying to do the right thing, trying to come together with other worshippers of God. And even when it costs them, they thought, we're going to do this. We're going to go. It's a big trip, but it's important to do. And they wanted to bring Jesus up to know and love worship in the temple in Jerusalem. They were good parents. They're a good example for us if we're parents. But as the, as the events of the trip unfold, we might begin to wonder, were they that good at parents? I mean, they lost him for three days. I mean, if you were doing a kind of parenting course, it wouldn't even, it's so obvious you don't even mention it. Do you? Don't lose your child. <laughs> don't lose them for three days, 80 or 20 miles away. Um, but this is what it says. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, so they've gone about 20 miles from Jerusalem. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. When we go on a, a journey as a family, and actually I'm not sure if I still do this or, or not, but I certainly used to. You know, we're getting in the, the car, you know, after stop for a break at the service station, and I sort of look around, just, just check, we've got three kids in the back, yeah, they're all there, good. Um, you know, imagine we were just sort of driving for an hour, and uh, you sort of look in the mirror, and it's like, panic, there's, a, there's an empty seat in the back. Harriet, did, I, I thought you put Ben in the car. No, I thought he was with you. It wouldn't be very good parenting, would it? But for Mary and Joseph, we might think, well, how could this happen? How could this happen? Um, but in fact, it was, there's no suggestion that they did anything wrong. Just according to the way they would have done things, there was perhaps a huge kind of convoy of people going um, down to Jerusalem and back again. Perhaps the whole village were going. And just quite normal, as it, as it mentions there, that they just thought, well, yeah, they're, they're, Jesus will be there somewhere. He'll be amongst the relatives and the friends but perhaps just when they came to settle down for the night, they thought, right, let's just, uh, where, where, where is he? Oh, he's not. Have you, I thought he was with you. No. Oh, I thought he was with them. No, he's, oh, he's not here. Um, but they take it very seriously. They don't say, oh, well, he'll probably be okay. They take it very seriously. They go back to Jerusalem. Perhaps the next day they went another day traveling back to Jerusalem they can't sort of ring through, can they? Ring the police, just sort of, you know, we've, we've lost someone. And then they spent perhaps a day searching around Jerusalem before finding him. So on the third day, they, they find him at the temple, and it's been an anxious search. Mary says to Jesus, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And they would have been, wouldn't they? A couple of years ago, when our son Ben um, was six, we were walking home from school, um, with my other son just over there near Tesco. He was trailing behind eating an ice lolly. Uh, we turned the corner 
he must have gone straight on. And he turned like, I don't really know how it happened. But and it is my fault. But I don't know how it happened. But we went one way, he went another way. And then when we kind of looked for him, he's just nowhere. And we, we asked, like, asked around, you know, have you seen this little boy? And, and someone said, oh, yeah, he's over there. And it was, he was, they were talking about another boy. You know, no, not him. And uh, I was getting more and more frantic, you know, trying to sort of stay calm. And in the end, someone said, oh, I think I saw him heading into the town. And um, it was in the summer, and I just, I just went mad, really. I, just, I kicked off my sandals. I just ran full pelts. I left, actually, left the other son. He was older. <laughs> I left him on a sort of grassy bank. I thought, we just, you know, let's just... Anyway, that's just what I did at the time. And uh, I just ran and I was shouting at the top of my voice, Ben, Ben, Ben. And people think, must have been thinking, what is going on here? But uh, eventually kind of caught up with him um, near Boots. And uh, thankfully, uh, an old lady had um, stopped him and uh, maybe said, you know, are you okay? Are you, where's, where's your mum or dad? Um, that was about 10 or 15 minutes probably. It seemed a lot longer, but it's probably about 10 or 15 minutes altogether. Three days... Um, I can imagine a bit of a frantic search going on. And I think it's reassuring to know that even Jesus' parents had stress. They're, they're good parents. They try to do the right thing, but there's still problems. If you're, good, if you're trying to be a good parent this morning, be encouraged by what we read here. Even when you're trying to do your best, there are scary moments. There are times when you get it wrong. There are times when you overlook things. We should keep praying. If, you're, if you know people who are parents, pray for them. It's a big responsibility. If you're a parent, pray for yourselves. It's one of the reasons why we love to have these uh, children's and baby Thanksgivings here at church. Because parents need all the help they can get, don't they? And uh, we're going to look forward to praying for Samantha and Jacob and their parents in a little while. Uh, we're going to pray God helps Francis and Joe and Pete and Sarah, helps them as parents, helps them to be everything that God wants them to be as parents. The Bible book of James says that when we face testing times in life, we can pray for wisdom and God gives it generously. Well, that certainly applies to parenting. We can pray for wisdom knowing that God will give it to us. Well, this event in the life of Jesus, it also shows something else. It shows that he was a, a challenging child. You'll see what I mean in a minute. He was a challenging child. Many parents will look on, um, look on other families and think, if only my daughter was more like them. If only my son were more, were more like th- that child in that family. I mean, they're as good as gold. They're so well behaved. I mean, how do you do it? I've had, I've had people say this to us about our children. And you think, you haven't, seen, you haven't seen what they're like the rest of the time. They're just on special behavior when uh, they're in public. Um, well, mostly. <laughs> but, you know, look at them. They play so nicely. I can't imagine their mum or dad ever having to raise their voice to these children. They just must be a, a total joy to have in the family. No trouble at all. Imagine in the time of Jesus, maybe people looked on and, and thought that. Were they... Were they thinking, if only I could have a son, more like him. It must be so easy to be his mum or dad. But this incident in Jerusalem shows us that while Jesus didn't do anything wrong, and the Bible does say he's a, Jesus, 
He's the perfect son of God who became human while remaining fully God. He never did anything wrong. And yet there's something going on here that's not the usual thing that parents face. It was a challenge. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. They obviously think it's his fault. But Jesus doesn't say, mom, mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to cause you and dad all this stress. Or, or mum, or even like, mum, it's just not my fault. You know, I, I bent down, you know, we were leaving the temple. I bent down to tie my sandal and I kind of looked up and just lost you in the crowds. And I just thought, well, maybe the, the temple's the safest place. I'll, I'll just go back there. Now, Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And Mary challenges Jesus that he's treated them, her and and Joseph, badly. But Jesus responds, challenging Mary, saying, you should have known where I would be. I had to be at the temple. It it was necessary for me to be there. Now, most parents are quite familiar with the the idea of children answering back, uh, particularly when they're getting told off. You know, even saying stuff like, well, you should have known I'd be at the park. We've been talking all week about going and playing football after school on Friday at the park. You should have known it. It's obvious. No, the thing you should have known is to tell me where you were. But that's not what's going on with Jesus. And there's a number of times during Jesus' life on earth, recorded in the Gospels and the eyewitness accounts of his life, where Jesus did have to sometimes strongly, sometimes gently, challenge people who got the wrong idea about who he was or what he'd come to do. And it might surprise us with Mary and Joseph, but even he had to do that with them. And it wasn't the only time. He was no ordinary boy. He was the son of God come on a mission. And you might think, if you know the events of the Christmas story, surely his mum and dad must have known this stuff. You know, virgin birth, angels announcing that he's the son of God, come to save his people from their sins. Surely Mary and Joseph didn't need reminding of all of this. Surely at some point they thought something's going to change. He's going to start doing some things that normal boys don't do. But it seems as though they did need reminding of this. And these are the first recorded words of Jesus in the Bible. But they show even at the age of 12, he had this clear sense of who he was, that he was the son of God. It doesn't say, I had to be at the temple. I had to be in God's house. I had to be in the father's house. He says, I had to be in my father's house. He says, and he also says, I had to be there. And it's a kind of expression that Jesus used many times in his life when he was talking about his mission, like what he'd come for. He says on another occasion, I must preach the good news to keep going even though people wanted to sort of um, lift him up as a celebrity and uh, I've got to keep going I've got to go to more villages I must preach the good news later on many more times he he said I've got to die 
I've got to go to Jerusalem. It has to happen. I've got to be killed. I've got to rise from the dead. He came on a mission. He came on a rescue mission. And he was, it was in his mind, even at this time. He came as part of God's plan to rescue the world. He came to live a perfect life that we could never live. He came to die and take the punishment for the wrong things that we've done that separate us from God's. He came to die and be raised to life and give us a new life if we put our faith in him. The life we were always meant to have in relationship with God's and including all those sort of things that we were singing about earlier, the kind of blessings of knowing God is with us through the good times and the bad times, knowing his purpose and his love in our lives. The Bible says that, that God gives us the right when we put our faith in Jesus to become children of God. So Christians, just like Jesus, are able to talk about, we can talk about God as our father as well. Jesus gives us that right and that privilege to know God as our father, just as he spoke of him. And this wasn't just a challenging thing for Mary and Joseph. This is a challenging thing for us today. Maybe you feel challenged by Jesus' words. Is Jesus challenging you? It's a challenge, but it's also a wonderful invitation. Have you received Jesus as the one who came to rescue you? Have you received God as your father through Jesus and begun living life the way he wants you to, the wonderful, fulfilling life that he has for you? But you might be thinking, you know, to be honest, I just don't really get it. I don't really get this stuff about Jesus. But this is why I think Mary and Joseph are quite encouraging. They didn't get it, did they? Mary and Joseph, when they heard Jesus' words at the temple, it says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't get it. And maybe you're someone who just doesn't get it about Jesus. Well, you're in good company. Mary and Joseph didn't get it. You think, surely they would get it. About They've spent 12 years with him and they've had angels appearing and all sorts of amazing things happen. No, they, they, they didn't get it. They, but they would get it. Listen to what Mary did, though. She didn't just say, oh, well, you know, that's just me. I just don't get these things. You know, I'm a bit like that. She didn't just leave it there. It says, verse 51, his mother treasured all these things. In her heart. She didn't get it at first. And lots of people don't get it about Jesus straight away. But she didn't leave it there either. She treasured what happened in her heart. We read the same about Mary after Jesus has been born. And there's, there's been angels singing and excited shepherds coming to visit. It says she treasured what happened. She sort of ponders it. She just holds it inside. She reflects on it. She thinks... Maybe I don't get it all at the moment, but I'm just going to dwell on this. And eventually God helped her to get it. How do we know Mary got it? Well, how do you think this bit got into the Bible? How do you think Luke knew about this incident? It wasn't like everyone was there. It's Mary and Joseph and Jesus. It seems as though Mary did get it. Mary did get it in the end. God helped her to get it. And many people didn't get it about Jesus until he'd risen from the dead. And then they're like, even his close friends and disciples, they just didn't get him until he rose from the dead. It's more than likely that Mary, her account of what happened here, she gave it to Luke who prepared this carefully investigated account of Jesus' life. Not getting it about Jesus, it's, also, it's not just for 
before you're a Christian, you might be here as a Christian. You think, to be honest, there's lots of things I don't just get about Jesus. You might become a Christian recently. You might become a Christian ages ago. The things that you find about Jesus, you find it challenging what you read about him in the Bible, what he's sort of asking of you, what he says. I just don't get it. Be like Mary. Hang on to it. Treasure it. Dwell on it. Reflect on it. Ask God to help you. And he will. He'll help you to grasp these things. Jesus was a challenging child. But just one last thing. He was also a growing son. Just the very last verse of this section says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Although Jesus was the unique son of God, there was something very normal and ordinary about his childhood. In the main, people would have looked at him and just thought, he's just an ordinary kid. He was completely human. He, was a, he didn't just appear to be human. He wasn't sort of in the sort of like had a sort of human kind of uh, appearance around him, but uh, he wasn't really a human. No, he was completely human, but completely God. It's one of the mysteries of the Christian faith, but the one that the Bible teaches. So at his birth, he didn't pop out of Mary, a kind of full-size Jesus, son of God, son of God's here, walking, talking, knows all of the Bible, uh, just goes around teaching, doing miracles straight away. No, he was, a, he was a real baby who cried and you know, needed a nappy or whatever their equivalent they had those days, and he fitted into a manger, and although most of what we read in, uh, about Jesus in the Gospels jumps straight to him being in his early 30s, a big point, I think, of what we're reading here when he was 12 is to show us that Jesus grew up. You see, he did have this clear sense that he was the son of God from an early age. But he was also fully human, and he grew up in a normal way that we do. It says in that verse, Jesus grew in stature. He grew physically. He got taller, just like normal children do. But perhaps more of a surprising note is that he grew. It says he grew in wisdom and in favor or grace with God's. But if you can imagine being at school with Jesus, maybe Jesus, you know, your, your, your children together at school, Jesus in the class, and it's the maths lesson. And the teacher writes a kind of equation on the blackboard, what, what does Jesus do? Is it whoosh, hand straight up? Yeah, I know this one. I invented maths. Um, what about in the Bible class? Whoosh, yep, I know this one. You know, he's, he's never even touched the Bible, never touched an Old Testament, the Old Testament scriptures, but he just knows it. It's just all there. It just came kind of built in. He's the son of God as a baby. I don't think that's like how it was. I don't think. The Bible doesn't seem to say that's how it was. Yes, there are times when the Bible talks about Jesus having supernatural wisdom and knowledge, but it seems as though God gave him, through the Holy Spirit, special access to those kind of vaults of, of knowledge from time to time. But the picture is that he was fully human and he learned and he grew. What's going on with him, with him at the temple? What was he doing at the temple? Was he just sort of uh, you know, kicking a ball around in the temple courts when his mum and dad found him? No, it says he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. He was keen to learn. Yeah, it said that everyone who heard him was 
amazed by his understanding and his answers. But, and yeah, he did have this amazing understanding and wisdom by the time he was 12. But he was listening and learning from the teachers at the temple. He wasn't there to catch them out. He was there just genuinely to grow and to learn. He probably thought, great, three days of Bible study and I can learn more. And hopefully my mum and dad will, you know, take whatever, you know, take their time in finding me. And it fits with what Luke says about Jesus growing in wisdom and in his relationship with God. That might sound strange if you think he's the son of God, but he, he, Jesus prayed. Jesus grew up. And Jesus, in many ways, is, although he was unique, he's that perfect example for us of what a human being is meant to be like in relationship with God. Just, uh, just before this section, actually, it kind of connects him being a baby to being 12 years old. Again, it says, and the ch- verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. He was the unique son of God who came to rescue us. But he was also really human and he's an example for us to follow. He shows us what life in relationship with God is meant to look like. So I think for us, we can see from this, you know, if growing and growing to know God better was good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for us as well. If we think, well, I, I, I don't want to grow or I can't grow or it's, it's not for me or I've grown as much as I think I need to in terms of knowing God, knowing about him, knowing him personally. No, Jesus grew up. He's example for us to follow in that way. In a moment, we're going to be praying for Samantha and Jacob. We're going to be praying for them that they grow grow in stature, that they grow physically and be healthy and strong. We're praying that they grow in wisdom and knowledge as they grow up. They make good choices in life. We pray that they grow in favor with with people, as it says about Jesus, that they have good family and friendships, good relationships. But we also want to pray that they would be growing into knowing God. It's the most important thing. Have a real growing relationship with him. If Jesus grew in these ways as a child, then if you've got children, are you praying that for them? Are you praying regularly for your children that they grow up in all the ways God wants them to? If you know children, you've got other children in the family, are you praying for them? But growth isn't just for kids, is it? And just, just finally, God wants us all to grow in our knowledge and love of him, in godly wisdom, in living a life that pleases God. Jesus is the pattern. He's the, he's the growing son. Not just a pattern for babies and little children and 12-year-olds. He's a pattern for all of us. Are you keen to learn? If you're a Christian here, are you keen to learn from God? Are you keen to read the Bible? Are you keen to hear God speaking to you? Are you keen to be growing in your character to be more like Jesus, more loving and patient and kind and faithful and self-controlled. Are you growing in the gifts God has given you as you serve other people and your blessing to others? Growing's good. I don't know about you, but I want to grow. I think if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I want to grow. I want to pray for myself that I grow as well as for others. Let's face it, I've missed my chance to grow anymore in stature. But I can grow in all the ways that God wants me to, to know him better, to be more like Jesus 
And I want to make that my aim in life. Well, let me pray. Father God, we do thank you for Jesus who came as a son of God to rescue us so we could know you. Thank you also for the example, the pattern that he is for us as a, as a, a growing life, uh, knowing you. And we do pray that, Lord, we might more and more follow his example in uh, our character, in our knowledge of you. Uh, Lord, we do pray, may we grow to be more the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.